Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Los. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you're all enjoying listening and reading. So, uh, thank you all, everybody for uh, chiming in again. I really appreciate it. I am sitting here watching my hair grow nice and long. I uh, haven't gone to the barber in what I believe is five months now. I just feels like another blurs day to me. The things that make my day worthwhile after hanging out with my kids is doing these podcasts. I truly enjoy reaching out to all the different people in our industry because we are, we're an industry full of passionate people that just find ways to make art no matter what. So today I'm really excited because this is a, a very first, the very first time I've ever had the, the opportunity to chat with a new friend. His name is Liggy Liggett. He is a lighting director and designer at Liggy Lights. Uh, he's based out of uh, the Vermont slash New York area. Thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today, Liggy. Hello. I, uh, I definitely appreciate it. I know that uh, you were very excited to go and uh, get some chores done this morning, which is <laughs> a rare occurrence from a lot of people I've been talking to lately. Chores yeah. is kind of a, an exciting <laughs> adventure nowadays. Yeah, yeah. It's a dentist dentist everyone get your teeth cleaned <laughs> oh boy don't get your teeth cleaned no it's uh yeah it's it's kind of like that around my house my wife even mentions something that might require me to go outside the house i'm like do, do you need a hose did is did the hose break <laughs> if you need me to go get a hose i'll yeah. i'll i'll put on a mask and uh wash my hands and take a shower and do my hair and Oh, put on yeah. some clothes and I'll go to, I'll go to the harbor store. I'll get a hose, babe. And she's like, Oh no, 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 no. I just, the, I just didn't coil it upright, babe. I'm like, ah, oh, okay. Stay home. Can we watch just a DIY video on YouTube for that? Are we good? <laughs> so I wanted to reach out to you because I was, I was uh, surfing the web and I found your website and I saw so many interesting projects. I'm like, man, I have to learn more about this guy. So kind of fill me in on your your origin story and how you came to be on such cool projects. Um, I, I think having clean teeth. No, um, actually <laughs> going back. Um, clean teeth always opens the door for teeth. people. Yeah, totally. Big smile. You do I, have great I, teeth. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> they feel like ultra, like ultra clean and and i'm i'm very self-aware of them so i apologize if i if i <laughs> smile too much uh, <laughs> no um but i i started off i was in in new jersey and i grew up in in a great scene of of musicians and and skateboarders and 
Um, and we lived kind of halfway between New York and Philly. And so I got to see a lot of shows growing up and, um, and I kind of, I don't know if I, I don't think I noticed it and said, I'm going to go do this. But like, I found myself with the, when I was jamming with people, I would at my buddy Randy's house and, you know, we'd set up the, you know, we'd have this whole band room and it was like, great, you know, we'd have everything set up and I'd be like, no. And I just start playing with the lights in the room and, you know, just getting different colored bulbs and, you know, next thing you know, it looked like a Spencer gift, uh, you know, one of those places. Um, but uh, yeah, so Liggy, it was, it Liggy's was lighting cool. warehouse. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, like you know, we got some American DJ stuff. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you know, we we started off. We were you know go Humble to beginnings. go to, <laughs> go find a, a red bulb, a three watt red bulb, and make it like a, you're in a submarine for a night. <laughs> just close your eyes and play. That's kind of our vibe. So anyway, so uh, yeah, and that's kind of obviously when maybe a little influence from some of these like jam bands and things were into play. And I had the black light posters came in a little bit. I had a the 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 sharper image, the the ball, the um, that you put your hand on top, um, something the storm. Um, yeah, it's, it's like a Tesla ball. coil, but not. It's uh, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> this, I remember those. Uh, eye of the eye of the storm. Anyway, um, so that thing was great and all these things are great and um fast forward i was into skateboarding and filming and filming skateboarding and got into some video stuff and and like just kind of like i knew that create creative work was what was like fueling my soul and and i didn't i went to a community college for business ended up doing accounting but didn't really didn't really feel it so i moved up to, I moved up to Vermont to kind of be a like a ski bum, figure it out kind of thing. Some friends had already done that. And there's these people that were doing it in this small town. And they were kind of starting to be big national names. Like, you know, it's the, the guys in Fish and their management and their everything was all in Burlington. So you had that element. But you also had all these other small bands that were like, I just was like, this is the town I need to live in, like Burlington, Vermont, Burlington, Vermont area. And just so many creative people that you just stop and chat with on the street, that you go see their things and um, just felt warm. And I just kind of said, well, you know, this is, this is great. And then moving forward after, you know, a couple of years of that, some friends that I had met um, in town started uh, the music venue higher ground which is a really really you know i if i could think of anything in my career that was like the the place the that where you know the dagobah of my everything was higher ground and being the house um you know lighting does lighting director there and um working with all the bands and you knew very to, little at this point. You, you just, I, miss, I missed the important part <laughs> um, the, with higher ground. So I, my friends are like, oh, I need a security. Uh, we need some security people. And I'm like, I'll work in a nightclub. Great. This is amazing. And see music for free. Oh, wow. This is so great. So I was doing that and I was good at it. I was like a, the polite, yeah, we're going to have to ask you to leave. You know, you're drinking underage. And, you know, next time is going to be, a, we're going to make better choices. And like, I don't know. I, I, I was good at that, but it really just didn't, it didn't feed the soul. It was just kind of like, I don't want to be a person to yell at 
people and I just kind of want to be like, hey, we can't do these concerts if you do this. There's <laughs> undercover people everywhere and, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to uh, encourage any of this kind of stuff. <laughs> so um, I don't want to, I don't want to too much. I can't tell you how many times that story has been similar to me <laughs> when you're just a big guy wearing a black shirt out oh, somewhere yeah. and like, are you security? No, I'm the lighting guy. Yeah. But in oh, this yeah. case, you, you actually were the security guy. Yeah, and I. And now up, you are the lighting guy. <laughs> oh my god! It, but it's it, that that piece of the pie was so important. So there's a, a concert security and event security company up here, Green Mountain Concert Service, and they were doing all the fish festivals at the time. So it was kind of like fish is blowing up, and they were doing a lot of festivals local. And so I would go work security on these things kind of found myself rising to like a, like a manager of other people at different positions um, doing that, but also meeting everybody in the business that was putting on these festivals and, and, you know, just my natural, I think being born in the, in the Midwest, but then moving to New Jersey, I kind of carried like this kind of friendly, like, you know, I want to meet people and I look them in the eye and try to, you know, I was generally interested in what every little person and how these festivals worked and, and the production just, wow. Um, seeing, seeing them building those big stages and everything at the time was just kind of really inspiring to me and befriending the crews that were building it and the designers and the lighting and um, that piece along with doing the security, I kind of shifted into helping out with production while I was doing that until eventually, you know, within, you know, the first, I think it was like the first year of the club being open that where the production manager used to kind of cover it all. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. like, I kind of was like, no, you need someone, the bass players in the dark up there, man. And, and so when I was jumping on ladders more than I was needed in security, they realized that like, Hey, like that's, that's a great thing. So, um, so that was a, a great stepping stone for me. And I stayed from, you know, that was 2008, uh, sorry, 1998 to 2012. I think I was the, the still considered the house. Nice. Director. That's um, a good run. So I would then, you know, I met bands and worked with the same band, saw these lighting designers and directors that were my age and kind of coming in young and, and doing stuff, um, you know, so I, I remember, I, I remember like Sound Tribe, uh, Sector 9, and um, listening to Justin Casey kind of talking, to, he, he reminded me last night when I listened to his podcast with you, which was great. He's a good dude. And I, you know, I, I, I have a story about him later, but <laughs> so, so the one thing that I, I, you know, Saxton from Sound Tribe, I watched him jump around too. I watched this guy set up this whole thing. We helped him set it up and he's just so energetic and he gets behind the board and like, I'm like, wow. And, and at the time, you know, like I'm, I'm just pointing car cans and doing whatever. I'm not really too much thinking of programming, you know, I'm using basic punt city on a leprechaun, um, you know, 624 or whatever that thing Good was. Good skills. Was. Those are the fundamentals yeah. right there. Oh man to this day there's nothing like <laughs> i really do love the feel of this is like a bad fader like just even like a fader board of just like in that era you know nothing 
you know, those Lightronics cool. boards like, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> riding the wave. <laughs> but, um, so you got yes. to meet, you got to meet, I mean, you were there for over a decade. So you got to meet every single person coming through and kind of shoot the shit and totally cool. Learn totally, and, yeah. Lots of great, um, great experiences with bands. You know, occasionally you'd get the, the band that, you know, it's kind of like having an opener and respecting the opener. If you're a band that maybe used to do bigger numbers and that you're going into the smaller clubs again, remember what it's like and how you treat the people at the small clubs. I think I remember mm-hmm. there's a few occasions where like the level of not adapting to the venue that you're in, mm-hmm. that used to be in a Denny's. It was an old Denny's. Okay. Like <laughs> now I think the higher ground legacy trumped the Denny's in a way, but there's still some grease left in the Like it's, it just, it was a very unique place and it was, um, it was challenging for any production that wasn't used to downsizing that small from mm-hmm. like maybe a semi, you know, we've done, we did some semis in the parking lot and had, you know, cross, you know, going across parking lot and slowly trying to figure out how to get all the stuff in. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it was all just like the crews that everybody was so professional and such, it was so fascinating to watch these like well-oiled machines come in and how they, like for me, it was always like, I kind of was like, how do they make it work? So then, you know, they're coming in here. Oh, they don't have a lighting designer and they have a director like that. Like to me, I was like, that's crazy. They have a, they have a sound engineer. They have a monitor engineer. They don't have lights. And so when I did lights, I kind of took on the persona for everybody. No matter if I didn't even like the music, I kind of mm-hmm. put myself like, what would the lighting designer who loves this music <laughs> Like, how would they do this show? And that, like, to me is, like, awesome. Like, it's, to, to me, like, thinking back of, like, that, I was, that really helped me because there's, to me, there's nothing really standing in the way of someone who has a job not caring about their job. Like, why, why was there, why, why would you put that? It seems harder to, like, like, ah, this music sucks and I'm not going to, I'll give them a look and walk away. Like, like, why would I be there? And why would I just like, I don't want to, what a waste, people for, what a like, waste that would drink. be like, that's not my, my job. That's a special, I have friends who are like the best bartenders and the best security in the world. <laughs> like they're great at that. Like let them do that. So yeah, having, I think like noticing, you know, having a, a good attitude all around. That's really important. You know, then the, the bands, when they come through, would be like you, they know your name. They already know they're gonna have an easy day. Mm-hmm. They already, you know, they know their limitations. And so, like every time, we just built up these relationships. And then, like, there was a band. Um, you know, fast forwarding, like, you know, there's some bands that came through that um, that I really latched onto that were like needing lights bad, and they needed. They were going to other places, and I kind of jumped on their van, jumped in the van, so to speak and figured out how to bring it a lot you know they're playing a couple sold out shows at some smaller venues let's bring some little lights with us let's bring some something to make it different so you walk out on stage and something different happens that they're not used to seeing that in that venue Mm -hmm. so i kind of you know i got a few small little whatever lights you know some chauvet stuff and kind of just brought it with me and set this up use whatever house boards um 
But yeah, cool. just taking that caring about bands and taking about like, you know, to a point where I felt like, okay, now I want to be that person going into the venue and, and, and working with the ha- with a house engineer and knowing how I would want to talk to that person. So kind of wearing, you know, like I wanted to feel what it felt like coming from the other side. And cool. Um, I did have my outlet at higher ground, but you know, you're like, ah, oh, no, it's time. What a and, natural uh, transition that must have been. It really felt great. And I felt like I, it helped me as I was rising up was kind of like going to knowing that how that band liked working with me at higher ground, the same thing worked with me going to the venues and, and repeat, you know, going to the, the, you know, venue with another band. I'd go to venue. I mean, as of like two years ago, I'd be going into a venue and like, someone's like, Hey man, I worked with you with blah, blah, blah. And it was like five years ago, six years ago, one time. But I know that I also immediately when I saw that person, I was like, yo, Hey, you know, and that's, I think that like awesome, like ability we have to plant these seeds across the, you know, the world. Of it these, sounds like, like you had quite a bit of time to cultivate your reputation. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and it wasn't like, I can't look at back at my career and go like, I, you know, was on tour for all, you know, like I had some pretty long, you know, two month, two and a half month runs with bands and album cycles. But um, most of the bands that I worked with were not, they were seasonal Okay. at best. Um, there was a few bands that, you know, like Wilco that like, that's a huge deal. Like that was like a whole album cycle. And that's like, you know, you're going to Europe a couple times, you're doing your, you know, you, you do the country a couple times and, and like that, that, you know, that's, you'd start to develop a lot of relationships when you do those. So like some, some of my mentors and some of the people that I know that are on here um, that are on your podcast that, you know, they are tour, tour, tour heads. And mm-hmm. I, I'm tour. <laughs> I, I consider myself like I'm good at touring and I, I probably will be doing some kind of tour and I would love, like, I dream of that. Um, but I found myself kind of like, I put my hand in a lot of places and, and do a lot of different things. So um, for now, that, set, that just seemed more of balance in life. Um, you know, yeah, that's one of the everything. things that stood out from your website is just how many different things. I mean, I saw television, I saw rock and roll, I saw theater, I saw so many different things in there that from, you know, small clubs, large clubs, programming, designing. In fact, can we get into that a little bit? When did you, yeah, yeah. when did the natural progression from programmer to actual designer happen? So that was always like, <laughs> looking back, I, I just remember uh, somebody kind of, someone said to me, like, whenever you're doing some, whenever you're doing lighting and you're thinking more than just, if someone's telling you what to do and you're programming and it's their vision and like they're executing or they have a, you know, whatever it is, lighting director versus lighting designer. So like, Mm -hmm. um, but then someone said like, Hey man, like you're going in, you're doing this thing and yeah, you may be running it on the fly or you might be doing this, but like you're, you're a lighting designer. And I was like, designer. I'm like, wow, that sounds so like, 
above my pay grade and well, you know, <laughs> technically i'm a designer <laughs> it's like most of the bands and you know most of the most of the thing i work with i do wear all the hats and have very little input which is amazing like i'm very very lucky with most of the projects i've worked on that it's been very collaborative but at the same time most of the responsibility and most of the decisions of what i do is really kind of here and and um but yeah like the designer like i remember going from so it was the benevento russo duo so marco benevento and joe russo um are two phenomenal musicians that i met who were one of these bands that came through higher ground and i said man these guys are amazing they're like they sound like you know 10 people on stage and it's an organ and drums you know and they rock out and they just have all sorts of energy and um so they ended up you know people were all the people were in the you know in the industry were like oh these guys are, they came out of kind of nowhere and they just started crushing it um came out of the new york city uh, knitting factory scene and uh and so i love their tour manager this guy bronco i don't know if you know bronco mm -mm. brian aiello um he's amazing um he was like the first tour manager and then i'm like wow man this like not the first tour manager, but one of the first tour managers that I just really was like, man, this, this guy gets it. He gets it all. He's just so caring of the, what the band, what they really like. And he's very professional and like nails the um, production schedules. Like really just like, like he's got it. He's got it. And, and, but yet he's fun as shit to hang out with. <laughs> like, and you're like, Oh man, this is like a perfect thing. So anyway, I ended up doing some work with those guys. They, uh, the fish guys were really into these guys. So um, Mike Gordon, the bass player, he did a tour with them. So it was like a trio. And um, so it was like the Benevento Russo duo with Mike Gordon. And so we ended up doing this tour and that's some great, great people on that tour. Bobby Haight, who manages Umphreys McGee. He was mm -hmm. like, he was Joe's drum tech and, you know, him and I and, and some other guys that like, it was just this like small crew. We're just kind of like, this is great. We're living the dream with these guys who are rising up and you're just kind of feeling that energy that they're, that they're feeling. And, and, and it was love, it was love, man. Does that tour was the first tour that I was like, I need to learn WYSIWYG. I need to learn all these things, like just to design this little club tour. And I think I ended up using like, photoshop and like drawing and like just kind of laid out this idea that i presented to the management management was like yeah sounds great and and so there there we go my first lighting touring lighting package which was a hog ipc nice blue trackball and yep. whatever and um what did i have i had max 700s and i had some vertical truss towers and some acl bars because i was just I, I had those at higher ground. They were like my, my comfort zone. Okay. It, it's just a fan out on an ACL can just like immediately at the right moment go like, like calm down, dude, calm down. It's like, Burr. um, safe. So safe. Yeah. Safe yeah. with the tungsten. Gotta go safe. Um, but anyway, the, um, so having worked with those guys and as going back to higher ground, and building up and building up, I ended up going out with the Yonder Mountain String Bands after that. So um, you were still technically the house guy yes. at Higher Ground while touring. You were kind of doing... Kind of subbing out, going back and forth. 
Um, oh, that's not and, easy. And uh, it requires a lot good. of logistics I mean, like there. there and, a, yeah, no, totally. And and honestly, like the production manager at Higher Ground carried most of the. You know, he did most of the the work, and it's kind of you know you'd get in touch with the LD, um, you know, do the advance, and then you know they're as as a support LD, they probably only you know maybe. 20% of their shows was were like, oh, you need a solid like house LD because we're bringing in all this stuff and and going crazy. So you mm-hmm. need people who knew how to handle that kind of thing. Um, did, but yeah, did you so, prefer either one or the other? Did you prefer house or did you prefer touring? Well, I caught the bug from that. Okay. 2007. So after the Yonder Mountain thing, I ended up going on the tour with one of my favorite bands from New York, New Jersey called The Sound of Urchin, which kind of came out of like, not came out of, but like they're in the Ween camp. So um, New Hope, Pennsylvania, New York City, a little collaboration of people that were all kind of in that that scene. So these guys are like rockers and um, so good. And they were doing this tour and it just, this, they had a new album and I said, man, let's destroy this thing. Let's bring out, I brought out 12 moving those Martin SCX 700 scanners. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. With no dimmer. <laughs> um, the, uh, what I have on that, uh, the pixel, the, the LED, what are those called? The Comar micro W's or no micro W's. Do you remember those? The pixel line? I think they're, they're basically like color blasts before color blasts. Okay. And, or, you know, or maybe around the first time color blast came out and they're just like basically a little baton. Like a little and, color block. Yeah, totally. And I would okay. just put these underneath the band right on. on the sound urchin and we're playing these bars, man. We're playing like, like Nectar's is like, would be a big venue for the night. You know what I'm saying? We're going into these legendary, they were legendary. A lot of people got their start on these small, tiny bar stages. Right, but we did it. It was um, I, 20, 20, 23 shows in twenty six days across the country, like insane. Impressive. It was like it was like our our day off was like the day before our last show, you know, and the other were kind of spaced out in there. But we were just like we were we crushed it and hilarious. There's still there's DVDs. I still want to get some of that, find some of that footage. There's some online if you look it up. Sound of Urchin fall tour 2007 but we were just going to these places and just like giving them a full light show that they were just just like this is here what is going on this is so weird um and from that moment that's when i because i had done this the yonder mountain string band which is bigger venues you know we were playing uh we played like the tabernacle you know like places like that on that tour and i had like six mech or six I just went with what the last person did. That was a big mistake I did early on in my career. It was just taking what the last lighting director had to be its play it safe, to like take their plot and go, well, let's just play it safe for this first run. But it was like um, high-end studio spot 250s I had. And I'm like bringing them into like the tabernacle. It's just like, it's like having like a flashlight on stage. <laughs> um, and a loud DF-50 for a bluegrass band. Man, I just <laughs> could have made changes. Oh, the things we learned. <laughs> like, it's just so, sometimes there's moments 
And the same thing happened with Wilco too. They had, they could only get me DF50s this one tour. And then I switched to like radiances after. And like I had two DF50s and like it would go from coffee or from chaos, chaos to coffee house. And Jeff Tweedy's up there. He's like, and it'd be like, you hear in the background. Like, I'm like, ah, a DF50. Put a mic on that DF50. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. Um, DF50's out of tune. <laughs> dude, and mind you, I love DF50 haze coverage, the whole thing. Like, don't get me wrong, rock bands, the whole thing, or outside, or you got a whole thing. Fine. But like, there's moments that I've been like, uh, that was a bad choice for a hazer. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, it sounds like you're just taking the bands that you wanted to take. It doesn't sound like you were, your hand was forced in any way. Um, y- yes. And, and so I think an important part of the difference. So I, I didn't go to school for, for the bit for, for it to, to kind of, if I felt like if I went to college for it, I'd be like, I need to take, I need to hunt down and find the best paying thing and stick to that. But for me, I was very comfortable and had a great family of crew and family and friends in Vermont and in, in, in the Burlington area that like, I just, it, it had to be the right kind of vibe for it mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and um, for me to, to leave. And, you know, I've been very fortunate that way. And so like moving on from 2007, that's when I started working as like 2008 with um, Grace Potter and the Nocturnals. Um, Grace great is band. starting so great. So great. And they're starting, you know, they're, they're starting to build and I keep giving them lights or directing my buddy, another amazing tour manager. And um, so, you know, like they would reach out and we would do this kind of co-design on something to hang behind the band to just light up. So um, I don't know if you know, Ben Erickson. I know of him. So like, so Ben Erickson was tour manager from there. And I think the last thing he was on was LCD. And, but anyway, so he started out, he's like, oh, I really need lights. I'm like, great, cool. Let me get a package together. And then we'd like meet and I'd be like, here's how to set it up and, you know, do that thing. And that's where I started to go like, wow, this could be like a band that I should, you know, we should try to cultivate this. Okay. Um, and then same thing. So at that time, I'm starting to work with Mike Gordon, who's starting to build a more of a career as a as a band outside of Fish. Fish was not back together. Um, they were, I think it was like 2000. What is it? 2004, end of 2004 to like 2009. They were not a band, and so I started working with Mike, and you know, we'd come up with these designs, and pretty much I would. That was like not knowing fish would get back together. We didn't get that you know, type of budget. They weren't really related as far as how he did his budgeting, like of how he wanted his design. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it does probably dictate if you're an artist and you, you're, you're putting, you know, you're going from, from that level to doing the clubs and stuff mm-hmm. like, you know, you got to think about it more a long game. Um, so that so opportunity, yeah. It sounds like we're right about the place where you weren't at higher ground anymore. Did, uh, did you finally just outgrow higher ground? Um, so that time I was, you're right. Yeah. I was not around a lot, still kind of watched it from the side. Um, but yeah, at that time it was kind of like, I kind of just held the, held the position in a, in a, 
you know, where they say as a uh, ceremonial way, ceremonial, like yeah. I'd have first call. If I came into town, I could always take a gig, but, um, but it was Ooh. starting to become time to pass the torch on. And so 2008 started working with Mike. I'm doing weird stuff. At that point, I'm like digging into my really like, I want to do scenic. I want to create more than just like, you know, with things of lights. I want to light things up and I want illumination uh, from different ways. And so I started to explore a lot with black lights and stuff and with UV reactant paints. And yeah, I just nice just getting materials going anywhere and grabbing things and going like, that'll look cool if I paint it and do whatever and hang it and then light it up and like just creating simple things. So for Mike Gordon on 2008, I, one of the first things I took out was just this simple thing. And I, you know, I kept, people started to bring out these panels and video panels um, onto the, this is 2008. So like, there's like, you know, a lot of the, looks on scenic stuff when big concerts are like these panels or videos video panel stuff little tiny scenic pieces right on. and so i said how can i do that for, for like a 100 bucks okay and so <laughs> so i go okay let's go down to michael's to the craft store and i found you know there are these rectangle panels that if you light them up they just take the light and just are amazing and they're, they're foam Okay, okay. there's a specialized foam for just pinning flowers to. I don't know what you do with them. Do whatever. <laughs> you bring them in the back of a of a van and trailer <laughs> like, tour. No, you. Um, so I took um, mic stands and just gaff taped to the back of the mic stand the the shape, and then did a staggered look on stage of these panels. Uplit them with the uh, the micro W's once again. Those little <laughs> brick light <laughs> guys put them right below it shot it up next thing you know i have a chaseable scene like a scenic piece that kind of like fits within the empty space between the lights and the stage and and for a hundred bucks and, and you know minus the light rental cost but um but yeah it was only like five five of these panels like five of those lights and um and then from there 2009 so i met the uh that, that i'm working some the way mike would work is an album cycles and he just would go out for a couple weeks come back do a couple more shows so really nothing big but like twice a year grace is starting to do bigger shows they're flying me out to do like one-offs at like the independent or like wherever like san francisco like the fillmore in san francisco you know like some of these places where they really wanted to make like a start to build a, a scene Nice. So that so at that point is where the vendor relationship thing comes into play, and that's where like I'm having to do shows. I kind of went the reverse way, where it's like I'm getting flown out instead of like creating these tour, you know, tour you know, tour rig and budget and the whole thing like that. I'm more getting budgeted for these one-offs of going in and doing doing the show. So I would like reach out to local vendors, but it was great because I paved the way. So when I was touring and I ever needed anything. I was covered in most regions by relationships I had built from just one-off dates with some of these bands like Grace Potter and um, you know things like that. And and cool. The, then Wilco was 2009, so they come out. I met the Wilco guys at Higher Ground um, or Jeff Tweedy, uh, his and and that, that group. So 
Um, it sounds like you were very busy at this time. How did you have time to start a family in all of this? I didn't, not yet. (laughs) (laughs) That was like still renting an apartment and, and doing the thing. And, uh, I think we had rented a house at that point, um, with, with the, the production manager, Chris Friday from, uh, higher ground. Got it. So we had a whole thing of, you know, our girlfriends and the people at the house and it was a, that was great. Good, good times. Um, and then, so 2009 Wilco happens because I just befriended the tour manager doing the Jeff Tweedy show there. Uh huh. Um, and it was funny because the keyboard player from Wilco was opening up and uh, it was a really like um, a funny story. A quick side story is like we were, um, we were talking after the show and I was talking to uh, talking. It was like, I think it was like the merch area. Uh, but Michael Jorgensen is the keyboard player for Wilco. And like, mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, it's so great. I've seen you guys so many times. And the, and then I mentioned I lived in New Brunswick, New Jersey and, <laughs> during this time. And he's like, I lived in New Brunswick. And I was like, yeah, I lived on this like crazy commercial avenue. He's like, I lived on commercial avenue. I lived at 87 commercial avenue. And he goes, I lived upstairs from you during the same time. So we literally like lived <laughs> wow. in Brunswick, New Jersey, so random. And I remember hanging out with him like going back and I remember I used to get the mail and go like Al Jorgensen ministry. Like, I just remember like, cause I know I like fact checked it and I was like, Oh yeah. And that you had glasses. And like, I think we used to like hang out and smoke weed on the front porch while there was like some of the other neighbors would have these like raves in that building. And like, we were just not into like that scene and we just like ended up like kind of boycotting the whole thing and just being like walk, people watching on the front porch like smoking weed. Um, but small world. Uh, yeah, totally small world. So I ended up going out. Uh, so the tour manager just kind of like, liked the way I was working there. And I was like, Hey, you guys looking for somebody? And they're like, yeah, actually we are. Um, so I jumped on that and did the Wilco, the album tour in 2009, which was like, I was not home much. That was amazing. Um, but just that was like a taste of, oh, that's what this is like. And um, you can get burned out if you uh, if you fall down that rabbit hole too far. Yeah. Yeah. And I just kind of I, you know, they weren't they did structure the, the they did structure their tours really well to be um, to give space. But it was uh, for me at that time, I was like, that was a real tour because we were going to Europe a couple of times and, and, you know, the, Spain, Portugal, like all the, like it was just it was amazing. But at the same time, I'm like. I would never be home. And then of course you go, that's when I started to kind of shift into the, um, I really love this and it's the work and the putting smiles on people's faces. Like during that same time uh, as kind of like that super, right before the super busy period happened, my father passes away early from cancer. He was always my, like, I brought him to Bonnaroo. He did security at fish concerts with, with me. He just loved it. Like he was friends with the bands. Like he was just, and my mom, like they were just like, you know, my mom would usually just get too stoned and pass out or something like that. She was kind of a, she was a flight risk. How supportive. What a very supportive family you had though. 
You know, like, mom, did you really? She goes, your friend came by and gave me a brownie. And I'm like, did you eat me? And, and she's like, yeah. I'm like, how much? She's like, the whole thing. I'm like, ugh, see you tomorrow. This is gonna be embarrassing. <laughs> It's like, is your mom okay? She's like in a coma in front of the, the RV. I'm like, man, she's fine. She's, she's smiling. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but my dad, my parents are super supportive. So like during that, you know, when losing my father kind of like made me go like, well, I need, I dedicated my life to the arts. Like I just right. felt this natural, like he would want this. He experienced it. He was, he was proud to see the rise, but he didn't see the, he didn't see the finish line cross um, or see like my kids being born or anything, but like, he's always been in my, my like rock that I go mm -hmm. to and, and creativity. And um, so, so yeah, so like, I think that transition. So, you know, of, of being like, well, just go out on these little runs or like, you know, a quick, you know, a month or so that's the most I've done. Wilco becomes a big thing. I'm like, oh, this is great. We're gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna commit. But I was the guy for the, just this Wilco the album tour. So I was like, ah, uh, you know, like, and I, I didn't really know that because I didn't. I was afraid that, <laughs> you know, at the end they went like in a totally different direction with with lighting and everything, and which I totally respect and get now. But at the time, broke my heart because I was like, I felt really close to these crew and the and the and the band and they were just you know it was just like man we're on the ride and it was like the 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 tom kenny in me was really was just like man i, I like always looked up to like these these lds that i started to read about that were like man like they're on the ride like chris carota with fish mm -hmm. like man that's like that was one of my first things i thought that's the way it worked for everybody that like you find a band and then you grow with them through their yeah. existence. <laughs> like, um, I'm I'm happy now to say that I totally get it. I totally get cycles. I totally get creative directions. I kind of you know I like core the idea of a core crew and stuff, but like core design and like having different. That's what gives us like we would all be lazy and we wouldn't be doing anything if we like didn't keep mm -hmm. sharpening those pencils and and like trying to like not only like grow yourself but like you know you want to you want to you know <laughs> it's not even a recognition thing by anyone except like that moment when you get when that thing just comes out on stage that you just you know spent all that time and like going like you kept it inside and then you were like here it is and then that you get that return and you're like that's all I need, man. I get chills right now just thinking of that, those moments. But like, I'm with you. I was disillusioned by the fact that that's not how it works for everybody. I thought that you have to take the risk. You have to find the young band that you really like. And then as they get bigger, you get bigger. And I thought that was it for everybody. But I found that that is the, the overwhelming minority. Like I can name on two <laughs> hands all the people totally. I know that that's happened to. And, and and even the ones that now like it happens lately or in the I would, when I say lately is like pre-pandemic like you know all of a sudden in the mm -hmm. past like two or three years a lot of people my age that I thought were gonna ride out with some band or whatever thing all of a sudden they're like oh they're leaving like who's gonna take their place like mm -hmm. what, what's gonna happen that's like you know but <laughs> immediately it's like there might be a little bit of a you know some some 
some time to grow in each of those, but the bands are usually fine. Yeah. You know, so it, it sounds it, like at this point different. you kind of had your, your design message, or you kind of had your own voice that you were putting out there. I mean, you, people can't go in another direction unless you were taking them in a direction. So it sounds like you actually had a distinct design concept by this point. I think also, I think that's very true. Um, that's when I started to really pay more attention to those parts. Um, Cause I, I technically felt confident on how to manage most stressful situations with like, you know, having gone to Europe and, and doing that, like that really honed in my ability to troubleshoot, especially when you, you have a language barrier and, and things like that. You really just kind of like, you really figure out what the core parts of making sure to operate the show need to be. Um, but at that, you know, at that same time, I'm also figuring out that like, there's more to this business and, and then, and then there's management and where, what are, where's the one area that I was been timid in, in relationships is, is with the management. Cause I feel like they could at any moment be like, ah, we don't need you. But mm. I then started to feel more like they, everyone knows, everyone who's important to me in the circle knows I'm here for the like right reason. And I love, the art and I love working with their clients. And so, um, so it's been really great. Uh, I've worked with some of the same management people throughout all these bands and, and, and it's really just a coincidence, um, but they just kind of overlapped. And so, yes, I did figure out how to communicate, but also th at that point, then I was more of like, I could really wow the management people of, of how to, how I budget it, how like how i cost effective uh, mm -hmm. of, of a rig i can build and thinking out of the box to make it unique using cheap <laughs> foam <laughs> foam squares whatever it is like do a little crafty goes a long way showing that you care <laughs> goes a long way but like you know you do a little thing that like just pops and yeah. the management goes wow they did that and wow man and then you're like send me an invoice on that and you send it to them and they're like wow that's right which kind of can curse you down the road a little bit when you get into like now i i want you know saying what i want now now that i know that we're everyone's safe and we're making money and we're doing these things um they're like well you did it last time for <laughs> for only this much and then i have to remind them that like yeah i was painting fake butterflies with uv reactant paint and putting them all over the stage staggered because we didn't have any lights you know, like I had a couple <laughs> black lights and it was using the house rigs every night. Oh, oh that's right. <laughs> you know, like, um, so, so let's get into the next phase. When did you start working in the television industry? So that leads us right into it. So I'm, you know, Grace Potter, Mike Gordon, doing them for a while, did some amazing things with them. Um, started to work with design with uh, David Gallo, uh, who's amazing. It's Mike Baldessari, who's David Gallo's LD. Um, so I started reading about these names in New York City as I'm kind of getting off the road and seeing like, wow, there's this whole world. And I was like, man, who's doing lights for SNL? Who's doing all this stuff? And I always had this friend who I met up in Vermont here that was doing catering um, that was like, hey, he like kept in touch with me. And he's like, hey, man, like this world in 
the Saturday Night Live um, film film unit world, which are all the pre-tapes. Um, th- there's like this, you know, there's this crew and you'd be kind of perfect for it. It's like, you know, they're kind of like touring heads and the um, his head, his boss was like, which was his friend was like, you know, looking for people who are more rounded in that touring pirate kind of thing. So I, I finally like had moved down to New Jersey. I'd done a one more tour. I think it was with uh, the band Nickel Creek. We went back out for another one with, uh, that was like uh, 2013 or something like that. So I took up this, I got off the road with that and had my daughter, which is my second child, or we had, we had daughter who's our second child. And then, so I took a break and then I was like, you know what, I'm ready. And then like, I met, I met them and I did a shoot and I just was like, this is perfect. With a, That's a great time to get off the touring side of the industry when you have a, yeah. a first or a second. Yeah. Yeah. I took a, took a little look, a, took a breath and said, I need to be home more. I need to figure out how to, how to be more you know, grounded in New York city. Uh, we had moved from Vermont to New Jersey. Um, my aunt and uncle lived next door to us. It was just felt like a more and my, um, my wife was doing photography at the time. And, um, it, and it was just like, it was great. It was, it was a great time. Like we to fall in love with New York city again and um and meeting all the people i met through local one and doing gigs with them um you know joining the iatsi up there like i just you know, i started doing lots of gigs in within 30 rock and doing the you know, once i got my foot in the door with the snl and realized i could fit in that environment and it fed that thing that i was feeling and also like the main core of my whole thing is like putting smiles on people's faces. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a different thing of being in the same room and you're like, yeah, everyone's cheering and you're feeling this like, and, right. Um, but knowing that something like that is, is you know, a show like Saturday Night Live is putting smiles on a lot of faces. It, is. it definitely and is. And maybe some frowns on some other people's or Karen's snickering. <laughs> snickering Karen's. That's a good band name, right? <laughs> <That's> terrible. <laughs> Uh, uh, there's uh, one person in general who I know that's been frowning at uh, SNL lately. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll call him Gary. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, so we go. Um, I started doing gigs in New York, meeting all these people, and realizing it is a small world up there. Um, yeah, I it met, is. Like Mark Janowitz up at Higher Ground, and a lot of these LDs I knew were kind of based in New York, so I would kind of. Hey, what's going on with this? And kind of realize that like, I don't want to be a venue person or okay. do shows in the city as much. I was dabbling a bit at uh, Brooklyn Bowl, um, nice. which was That's a great venue, which is great. And my buddy Pete Costello was managing that. And at the same time, uh, Joe Russo's Almost Dead was starting to, to come up um, and get bigger. And Joe was the, who I had worked with before and Marco's in that band who I worked before, you know, my first bands. And um, so I was doing Brooklyn Bowl. And then also I started to do kind of be the special ops for J-Rad. And they, you know, whenever they would go to like 
do some bigger things or want to do something crazy, a New Year's show or at the Capitol Theater or something like, you know, whatever it is, like, I got kept myself nicely. That was a great and still is a great gig. I love those guys. And it's just like, um, it's family. Ween bass player. I also done lights for Ween a bunch of times. Um, just Did you find like, it difficult you know to break into the New York market? I've heard um, some people say it's really. very cutthroat and I've heard a lot of other people say it's not. It's, it's, there's a lot of work and it's very welcoming. If I was somebody who needed work and needed that as my main source of income, it would be difficult. Um, okay. Just not, not knowing anyone, but having done the touring and having like, I knew the guys in the union because they would load me in at like, you know, you know, Beacon Theater. So like, I know that them, the Teamsters, like, I gave those guys respect from day one and knew I could learn a lot from them as a touring person coming in. And some people are like, Oh, you have to work with a union. Sometimes they give you, you know, like you always hear that, like, like, Oh, be careful of this place. Cause they're late they're, They don't care about you. They'll like, you know, rush your show in and out and they'll do this thing. There might be those elements, but um, I found it was like a challenge to me then to see if I could make union, the union crew laugh and be <laughs> fun with the touring crew. And that we were like friends at the end of the show. Like that was like a goal. And we all talked about it. Like, you know, like, yeah, we got the, you know, the union today, uh, the you know, local one, you know, like don't mess around. We got to like be, I was like, no problem at all. And like, you know, just make that a challenge. So when I ended up working, working in the union that, you know, with the, with these people, like, I just was like, Oh man, I just, they're like family. They're just like a crazy family, you know, like all different types of, of, uh, of, of attitudes, uniqueness. And, um, you know, very much like crew, like, a as a whole, it reminded me of a lot of, of the business of touring and, and the crews, you know, on the road and stuff like that and how to, how to survive. Um, but you were uh, saying, so, it, so at this point was the, was the local pursuing you or did you pursue the local? No, I, I, that part I felt super small. Um, I felt like, I think I, to this day, I'm, I'm very, like I tread lightly. Um, so I really kind of was devoting myself to those shoots for the Saturday night live thing. Um, but at the same time, I was kind of like reaching out and, and just treading lightly and knowing my like comfort zone there. Um, but also meeting like everybody I could possibly meet and going around. I had some great friends and my friend Brian, who really like was the one who like hooked me up with this SNL job. Like he, you know, I'm so grateful because like he not only like he brought me around to like every studio head. Of, in the building from like, you know, Seth Meyers to this, to that, like the nightly news. And like, if you need a guy, this is your guy. He's, a, you know, he, basically like I, at that point have done a lot of work and I felt very confident being there and especially being, you know, a, you know, a crew who sets up lights for a band that's going on like Fallon, you know, a commercial break and, you know, we're like pushing out the stuff. Like, that's awesome. Like I, you know, working with, you know, someone who has a plan and, executing it like and knowing the importance of that like that that's awesome that's super fun to do um but also 
I think that's when, you know, the, the help of like Pip at the tonight show, like he really used the, the head electrics and um, mm-hmm. he really, you know, like he kind of took me under his wing in a way of like farming me out to, to work with like the, the remote team on that show and knowing, cause he knew I was working the SNL stuff. So from then on, it's like, I made just developed relationships with the director of photography and the, you know, the directors and the PAs and, and production like that to me is like a normal thing of like, Oh, I have all these skills that I took from the touring world. And I think those give you one hell of a solid way of like, you're already like, you know, you, you might be get excited where you're working you know, you're, you're working in 30 rock, there's an energy there, but mm-hmm. the level of professionalism and knowing like you don't get starstruck and you kind of like, like I was used to that kind of like thing. It's just, you know, obviously if it's, <laughs> you know, it's a little different when like Bobby De Niro's walking down the hall and he's like, <laughs> you know, like, you, like <laughs> it's a different vibe to it. Um, but it's all the same thing. It's like, I'm there to work. Like, I'm not like, I'm just, I'm lucky to be there. And, um, and humility yeah. is very important. It sounds like you uh, maintained humility throughout your career. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I think that's a, one of the key, key things that I see when I see really talented people, but they just don't know how to do the communication part, um, as well as they do the other parts. And, and I think it's, it's, it's so much, so much of it. It's such an important piece. Um, the t- So TV and film at the same time, although I felt like I was kind of taking a step back as far as the designing um, and, and, and directing the show, that's kind of where the networking part really kind of built up. And, um, and then so like somebody who was on my crew, my friend Tom, who he was working over at Colbert and and uh the late show so i was always just mesmerized by the ed sullivan theater and letterman and you know had being in 30 rock and being where letterman was and working in um in 6a there like like you just kind of like you you even though you're just in 30 rock you're feeling all these like little legs that are going out of of the standard institutions of gigs in that, in that town. And, um, my friend Tom's like, Hey man, like they could always use another help. You're a grand MA programmer. That's like rare. And I'm like, Oh yeah, cool. Introduce me. And so I met, I met that team there and, and, um, Scrick and his crew and, you know, it's, uh, you know, Hillary and Costa and, you know, it, it was just, it was awesome. And, uh, so, he introduced me and then Sean, who's the head of electrics there, he he basically was like, yeah, come in for two days and sit with these guys and watch the show. And I'm going like, oh man, this is amazing. And, and realizing what they do to program a show for one song, you know, and I'm like, oh man, you got all this time to program one song? <laughs> like, this is great. <laughs> I'm like, I've gone into festivals and like, <laughs> like, it is stressful because you are on camera and, and you do have the ability to make them go like, Oh, we got to do it again. You know, mm-hmm. fortunately it hasn't happened to me, but like, you know, you're dealing with, sometimes you're adding video cues that 
that the you know you're taking the tech tech and video directors you know taking his stuff but make adding it into your queue <laughs> so like i was like making sure always going back whenever i had a chance to like check it during the day like make sure that queue works man that's an important one so at this point are you still bouncing back and forth between television and rock and roll so that that's so television is then kind of taken so 2015 television takes kind of most of the time and i'm still touring with uh jay rad joe russo's almost dead they're doing you know a handful of shows maybe eight shows a year that i would be called in for so at this point you still have the luxury of just taking the tours that you want to because you have enough work at home to keep you yeah and i think you busy um there was you know there's a couple big tours which with one of them was with one of my favorite artists and i won't even name it because i'm gonna get that gig one day when things are right um but anyway i could have had that gig and i had to turn it down because i found out what it entailed and the timing i thought it was just gonna be a little thing and end up being uh, so anyway (laughs) there were some offers in there and um there's definitely been that's tough you know Putting, it's tough to turn down those yeah, those, those dream gigs. So, and then they, they keep getting better, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah. It sounds was, like you had your priorities straight, though. You wanted to be home for your family. I want to be family, home. I could. Kids, I called it fishing. I'm going fishing. Like in my head, I'm like, I'm going into the city. I'm gonna work probably three 18-hour days and like come home. And, uh, but it's hard being the person on call. Cause you'd get calls yeah. at 11 o'clock at night for like, Oh man, we got a grand MA coming in. I need you to babysit, you know, some programmers coming in. And then, uh, but usually the, I always said yes to those. And they were like some of those great ones on, so on Fallon, how many like people I like, uh, like Roy Bennett and like all these people coming in, like, like do your work indirectly. Like, cause I usually be the, the grand MA babysitter. <laughs> Uh, Jesse, I forgot his last name, but anyway, like there'd be like all these LDs that like design these tours and they get it going and then they walk away and um, right. they would do the TV and film special stuff. But they basically time code these things out and you just sit there and you kind of just sit there on the, um, you know, setting up their, set up their data, move the board from front of house or to the backup board that's going to be living in the uh, the wings, the monitor wings for the show. And it runs time code and I just got to make sure it, it just is all there and that they are happy and they have their headset and they can communicate with, with Fred, uh, you know, the LD and, uh, you know, and, and keep, keep it going. Uh, man, this has gone so fast. It's hard to believe that we went through an hour that quickly. I, I, t- I tell you, I, I ramble. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. I, these are all really great stories. I am really uh, excited to hear how you got to where you're at. And it's, these are the sort of stories that people don't get to hear. Like you didn't, at no point in there did I hear that you had a great plan to end up where you were. It sounded like you just ended up by not saying no to anything. So you're like, well, these are, these are what I can do and I want to hang out with people. It sounds like your, your entire career was based on who you wanted to hang out with. Well, you know, I, I was listening. I forgot who said it, but they, got, they, they adamantly stopped you and they said, it's never about the money. Mm. And like, don't you like, don't you like, it's never about the money. It's like the opportunity. Yeah, That was David and, Davidian. Yes. Yes. And like, 
that has been my whole thing. And, and it's kind of been a curse in a way because some people don't quite like, some people don't get that or think it's irresponsible, but I always have found that if there's something that feels right and there's a collaboration that feels right, then the money part will come. And I'm, and I'm pretty like, you know, I, I get what I, I, I definitely self advocate when, when you're in the room, but like, I definitely have felt that by not following the money as much and not trying to chase knowing I can make as more money over at this place. I found mm-hmm. that that path opened up for me. Like every kind of, every time it's like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. It's kind of frustrating. Cause I'm like, man, I don't know what's going to happen next. What's the next thing. And then all of a sudden there it was the whole time. It just, you know, I make calls out to the universe. Most of the time we're good. Sometimes we get dropped on our head a little bit, but uh, a little bit, a lot of us have been dropped on our heads lately. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, I can't, I just can't wait. I was like looking out in my backyard the other day and fireflies were like going crazy. And, um, and I imagined it at MSG and it's like the, the, the photographs, like the flashes of the photographer, you know, photographers going off and just, it was silent, but there's like, you know, just that moment of like, can you imagine that what that's going to feel like? And I'm not talking about these, dumbasses who are trying to do concerts right now and like thinking that they're not going to get people to <laughs> congregate and go burn. Um, yeah. And I use that term directly at dumbasses and anyone can Google what I'm talking about or know what we're talking about here. Yeah. We're not talking about people who are like, Oh, you know, like let's do drive a drive in. Everyone's got their thing and they plan it and it's like, you're there and you're kind of yep. in there. Um, but like some of these people are thinking that like, you know, they're going to just, you know they're they're blowing it they're making it hard for us they're watering it down it's so important for us to come out big we're sick of the (laughs) i love the zoom concerts don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. and i love like on the live things when people think about out of the box and they're doing something totally weird in a weird spot or it's just broken down you know love Mm -hmm. the tiny desk stuff love anything like that but to a certain point, like I need my face blown off and I want to feel like a PA. Yep. I want it. And I, and I feel like that, like, like that moment is going to be so important that we shouldn't try to <laughs> water it down with like these other versions. Yeah. Try to slowly go in that world. It's like, let's be safe. And then when we get the all clear, like get the all clear, like, you know, you've seen people run to the stage before. Like yep. they're going to put like, weights on people's ankles to, to make that not happen the first time we get it all clear yep. and, and we're at a music festival and the gates open like I don't want to be the security for that show but like that first initial rush to the stage that adrenaline like oh like so cool yep I, I share wait. I share that feeling with you I would uh, I would walk through a volcano right now to go to a show and be a part of that but I am also willing to wait until till that is the is the proper time. So, thank you, Liggy. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and yes. uh, kind of provide this archive with me because now I feel like <laughs> there will be a lot more people out there to be able to listen and go like, man, this is his story. Just kind of echoes mine, and it sounds like I'm not alone in this in this industry. And it, I would, I'm really looking forward to seeing the responses from this one. 
Yeah, and I, I thank you for, I feel like it's so cool to talk to somebody in production <laughs> that like, it's so weird. I apologize for rambling. I just haven't talked to, <laughs> let alone most like, you know, it's like adults for a long time. So I'm just like, wait, and just about what? <laughs> it's usually like I get about three minutes at home or something like that before like I see someone go, oh, that's a cool story. That's a- <laughs> oh, my kids, they try, they try so hard to talk shop with me, but they can't, they just, <laughs> no. If you, if anything, I try. I recommend you like try and call house lights go to your kids anytime. You just oh, I, just dude, you said it. that. You said that, and that's like so good. I was I was yeah. thinking about that and thinking about like maybe this this whole solution. If there is like school is 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 weird in the fall, like dude, why don't I just get like master tour and you know like let's let's get a production schedule going and like I put it on the refrigerator. I just need to get in that comfort zone. I need to like, <laughs> like, or, or like I need the uncomfort zone of like keeping on like, I'm good at that. I'm good at that. Yeah. Like maybe I might just adapt it here. <laughs> Put your kids on the master tour, give them the master tour app. Oh and be like, Oh, look, breakfast, 8 a.m. Yeah. You guys chop, chop. And you'd have it out on at quarter two and you didn't. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, your, you got to load up breakfast because I, I got a I got a lunch load in starting in an hour here. You guys, let's, let's move it totally. along here. <laughs> totally. uh, Thank you so much for your time, Liggy. I really appreciate you, it. Chris. I really appreciate what you do, and uh, can't wait to listen to more of these. I mean, they're really just they're very helpful. Yeah.